This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. If you two are finished comparing sizes. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. All right, welcome back to Mackie Judge Show. Matthew Collar filling in. We'll check in with Courtney Cronin out at TCO Performance Center in a little bit as Daniil Hunter has signed a five-year contract extension. But now we talk with Dan Hayes of The Athletic. And I'm curious, Dan, do you know other people who were born on the same day as you who are in sports? Oh, actually, I've got to press the button. That's my bad. Uh, sorry, Dan. Uh, do no you, problem. So do you know your, yeah. do you know your birthday bros? I, uh, Alan Iverson one, um, Anna Kornikova was another, um, and beyond that, I don't know, man, I'm jealous of the Iverson one. He was my favorite player growing up, like during that era, loved watching him play. I wish that he was my birthday bro, but for me, it's Jeff Conine. Oh man. That's a, that's a pretty solid one too. World series champ. So. Right. Mr. Marlin. Like, uh, I mean, that's not bad. And then we were just talking about Khloe Kardashian. I'm proud of her career, like earning potential yeah. but maybe not necessarily some other parts of it um well, I, i'd go outside of sports for mine because it's prince also and, oh, and uh, prince. Tim, prince and tim laudner uh, found that out the other day um so yeah not a bad birthday <laughs> i have helen keller and ross perot which is not bad for historical <laughs> figures i mean you know green green party and such so I mean, uh, hey ross perot got got Dana Carvey in, on Saturday Night Live. So, I mean, right. that's, that's pretty pinnacle right there. Also, how many of us can say that we got like 8% of a vote for president? <laughs> exactly. Not many. So, uh, Dave had Spud Webb and our intern, whose name I got wrong, had Alex Ovechkin. So, yeah, we're doing okay here today. Um, Dan, let me let me transition from that conversation I'd love to keep having for another 20 minutes to the <laughs> team that you covered, the Minnesota Twins. And... Last night, a home run for Brian Dozier, and I feel like the next couple of weeks are going to be on Dozier watch and what the potential might be for him to get traded. So where do we stand right now with Brian Dozier? Well, first of all, actually, if you do want to go back and talk about that conversation for the next couple of minutes instead of the Twins, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it, it's going to kind of be messy here um, just because you have to figure it's it's getting close to being – taken apart and Dozier is definitely going to be a guy that, you know, they're best off probably trading if, if, uh, if they head this direction continually, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's like they're waiting for the light switch to come on and, 
and it's just not coming on or it's coming on for a minute or two and then they can't keep it on. Um, you know, Dozier is going to be a guy that I think teams like. He's a second-half guy. Uh, you saw it last year. You've seen it before. And, and really, with him headed into his free agency year, they, they've got to get something for him. I mean, they will get compensation in the form of a draft pick. I, I think he would be a guy that potentially would get a pretty big deal. But, you know, potentially they also maybe think we can give him a qualifying offer. I mean, it, it just really depends on what – what they want to do, but you have to figure that there's not a whole lot um, of guys that have the the 40 homer potential and, and a gold glover at second base that are out there. Um, He'd be a guy that I think is attractive to teams. You know, the Red Sox, you know, wonder what Dustin Pedroia's going to bring. I mean, they're they're not very shorthanded in many spots and that's a loaded roster. And Dozier seemed like he'd be a decent fit there, but um, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this plays out because he's one of many. I mean, Lance Lynn is definitely on that list. Um, Fernando Rodney's a free agent at the end of the year, obviously. Um, you know, last week we brought up Joe Maurer. But I don't know how <clears throat> how much of a shot there is that he would be traded um, just because I think he wants to finish here. and Obviously, he has the, the chance to reject any trades. So, um they they have I think a lot of interesting parts. I don't know that anything is a blow teams away and get their best prospect guy just because rentals usually haven't been getting that lately. Might have to take a couple of rentals uh, paired together and really help a team out to get you know one of their top prospects. But um, I, I still think that they should be kind of busy through July 31st for sure if that's the route they end up going. Is there any chance with Dozier that they decide to just let it play out to the end of the season and then see if they can re-sign him to a deal? Or does this seem like it's, you know, they've got uh, Gordon potentially to come up here and, and take that spot, and they've got to feel great about the way he's developed so far up until AAA, and that Dozier just is not going to be part of this? Is there any chance that we're totally surprised and blown away by a contract at some point? Well, I mean... <clears throat> they could they could keep him through the end of the year and and they could make him a qualifying offer and, and see if he wants to stay and uh, you know I mean he'd get the one year deal um, or or take off and and they'd get a better draft pick for it so you know him staying through the end of the year certainly is a possibility there's no question I mean look how the team performed last year down the stretch I think they were you know 56 and 34 their last 90 we're getting well past that point. They got to turn it, or I'm sorry, 30, 34 and uh, 22, their last 56. I always get that messed up. But I mean, they, uh, <clears throat> they definitely are getting to that point where it needs to go in a good direction soon. And, and losses like last night certainly are deflating for them when that comes to uh, their decision making process because here they were halfway through the game in control and one strange inning takes place and, and all of a sudden they just look dead after that. And, you know, that that team has had a, a really tough uh, run of games where the the bottom half, their lineup is just lifeless. And last night, I think 15 were retired in a row. And I, I just don't know how long you hold on to the roster the way it is. But unless you're blown away, unless you get what you want, I could see them hanging on to him because they would get a draft pick coming back at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the big picture view on all this, because I, I think we're finally getting to the point where we could say it's not happening. They're not just all of a sudden going to flip that switch on, like you mentioned, and just take off and win a bunch of games and, and get in. We're, we're getting too late 
for that to happen where they would have to go completely bananas and without uh, Sano here, without Buxton here, it just seems like that's really unlikely. Uh, so the, the big picture view on this franchise in general, though, you would have a tough time convincing me that they're not going in a really good direction still. It's, it's almost like last year set a bit of a false expectation because they made the playoffs, but that going taking a step back isn't necessarily a bad thing to where they're trying to get, if that makes sense. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that the way they put together the roster this year was wise in that they weren't overcommitting. They they brought in a lot of good players um, and, and took a chance on one- and two-year deals and, and essentially set themselves up for a, hey, if this was real last year, if this is the way we're headed – We've augmented our roster, filled in a lot of holes, and, and given ourselves some really good veteran experience. And if not, it's really easy to take apart. And I think that that was really a smart play to do. And, and what it allows them to do is spend the rest of this year and <clears throat> trying to figure out what they have in Sano, what they have in Buxton, uh, what they have in, in all their young guys, and, and kind of reassess because, you know, they weren't as bad as a 103 loss team in 2016. I, I think that that was way underperforming. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you probably are talking about the bottom 10% of their, uh, their potential outcomes for that season, but they probably were somewhere closer to 90 losses. And, you know, they played outstanding last year and, and surprised a lot of people, myself included to get to 85 wins. And look, you know, there's still the possibility that they do turn it around, but it's, we're looking at, you know, probably, less than 5% at this point that that potentially happens. Uh, it does exist, but a lot of things are going to need to get going in the right way. And I mean, the one beauty of baseball is you have a lot of time to evaluate things. You can see what Buxton and Sano and Polanco bring to you when they do come back. And, you know, Polanco might be the first of the three, but, um, you know, all three should be back sometime soon. And you got the rest of the season to kind of evaluate things and, and figure out your direction from there. Dan, I also wanted to ask you about Jose Barreos because uh, this year there was a little bit of a bump in the road here or there, but it didn't last very long. And now every time he goes out, it's must watch. And it started to be last year, but the same sort of thing. Like, okay, there's some, some ups and downs with him, but it, it seems to me like the guy is on the track to be an ace. What, what do you think is maybe the difference from last year to this year or how he was able to work himself through a couple of those rough starts to now uh, be a pretty consistent top of the rotation starter at, at a pretty young age? Yeah, I, I think that it is the fact that he's able to make the the adjustments rather quickly it is what is kind of brought him to the next level here. And, He's not quite ace yet, but I agree he's on the way there for sure. I mean, the the walk to stri- the strikeout to walk ratio is outstanding. Um, the fact that he's been able to have this long run after the four bad starts and at the end of April and, and early May, um, it, it just says that he knew what he was doing wrong. It took him a little while, but he figured it out. And his, you know, I think his second to last start out, the one against Chris Sale, he wasn't at his best, and yet he he fought his way through it. And I think he. He pitched really well. He gave up the the two runs, I believe, or maybe it was one. I can't. Even, they're all blurring together now. But he he was really efficient, even though he did not have his best stuff. And that's a sign of a pitcher that knows how to do what they're supposed to do, even when they're not feeling, you know, really great. And and that that's going to happen twenty times out of your thirty starts, thirty two starts, where you just don't feel up to par. And 
and and you have to figure out a way around it. And for him to do that kind of stuff at age 24, um, now he's getting to the point where he's kind of learning, adding and subtracting on his fastball and, and working at lower velocities to kind of conserve his energy. He's doing all these things the right way right now. And it's great for the Twins. It's probably their best development so far this season because he is a potential ace. And, and when you have that in, in place, everything else kind of falls in line uh, mm-hmm. behind it. You, you can easily put your pitching staff together. And when you know you got somebody that can go out there and face a Chris Sale uh, in, a, in a playoff opener or, you know, Luis Severino or anybody like that, you know, you're, you're feeling pretty good about where you're going. And, and so obviously that's a, a good sign. Dan, last thing for you, what do we have as far as a timeline on when we could see Byron Buxton again? I would have, you know, I, I did not think he was going to be up this week. I, I kind of felt like this week was going to be, it didn't surprise me that Jake Cave got called up yesterday just because the way Paul Molitor was talking about it. They they made some lower half adjustments with him in his swing. They want him to get comfortable with it and demonstrate that he's comfortable with it. So, I mean, it could be another week. It could be they may take most of this the the time on the rehab assignment for him just because I think that him coming up last time without the benefit of a a bat in the game really hurt him. It was probably a little detrimental to him. And and so they're going to take all their time and make sure that when he comes up, he's at least feeling good with these changes that they made in this swing. So are we reaching make or break for him when he comes back for the, the second half of the season, or is it too early to say that? I think it's too early to say that. I mean, you get three months last season. You know, this year has been a wash so far, but the only time he's really actually been healthy is the first 11 games, and then he had the migraines and broken toe. And so we're basing basically what he's done this year on 11 healthy games. And, and I think that the three months of outstanding play he put together last year buys him a lot more rope, a lot more leeway than mm. than just make or break right now. I, I He's get the rest of the season easily to do that for me and, and, and well beyond. His talent in the outfield is so superior to everything else. I mean, we saw – what happens when you kind of let go early on Aaron Hicks? Aaron mm-hmm. Hicks has turned into a really good baseball player. And and I don't think you want that to happen again, especially with somebody that is a gold glove winning elite defender in the outfield. I mean, that, that plays no matter what, even if you have to bat him ninth for a while until he figures it out. So, you know, they, they'd be wise to keep trying him out there. Even if Twins fans get frustrated with him, run him out and keep running him out and run him out some more. Another mm-hmm. two years, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You, you do not want to repeat uh, on the uh, on the Aaron Hicks. You think about where they might be in the outfield if they still had him. Well, but well, at least they got John Ryan Murphy for another <laughs> team. So, well, that's how things uh, used to go a lot uh, around here, Dan. So, uh, well, Dan, you're doing awesome work. Uh, even though it hasn't been a great season, I have enjoyed the stuff that you've done and following you. So great stuff there and appreciate you popping on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Dan Hayes of The Athletic there covering the Minnesota Twins. Um, We'll check in with Courtney Cronin in about 15 minutes. Dave, do you have any questions that could be of some importance? Oh, they are very important. Some might say significantly so. Okay, we'll get those from you when we come back. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd today with Matthew Collar is sponsored by Metafast. 
Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Okay, we have breaking news to get to. A new birthday bro has emerged. Um, for you. For me, yes. Bobby Wagner, three-time All-Pro linebacker of the Seattle Seahawks. The NFL's account just tweeted happy birthday to both of us. Oh, that's nice. I mean, they tweeted happy birthday to him, but they, they it's meant also that. my birthday, so they meant me too. And yeah. all of us, all of my birthday bros for today, shout out Alan Keller. That's so awesome. uh, what do you have for questions of significance of importance? Let's go back to the big questions. Vikings news yeah. of the day, the okay. Daniil Hunter contract extension. We're talking about 72 million bucks over five years. We have, what, 40, mi- 40 million guaranteed. You've got incentives that could make it work up to 78 million. But as you and Courtney said earlier, it seems like they got quite a deal, the Vikings did yes. on Mr. Hunter as an edge rusher, a guy that's proven to be pretty darn good as an edge rusher. So my question then to you is, why did Daniel Hunter sign the deal in your mind? And if you were in his shoes, would you have signed for that amount? More like done deal, Hunter. Ha! That's right. Yeah. Um, Go to break. <laughs> you know what? Uh, there's $48 million over the first three years. And even though the guaranteed money isn't that high, he's going to make that. They're not cutting him in the next three years. So he will make $48 million in the first three years. And then we'll have an opportunity to get another deal done eventually while he's still in his prime. So if he has the career that you think he's going to have, he's going to, over the next four or five years, sack a bunch of people while earning a lot of money over early in the deal, and then possibly sign another extension later on that takes him into his late 20s, and that could be a kajillion dollars too. So he probably looks at it a little bit that way. There's also stability. There's also take the money now. I mean, I think what ends up being really enticing to a lot of these guys is, look, you're on a Super Bowl team. You like being here. Everyone likes you. You know exactly who you're playing for, where you're playing. There's not big changes coming with the Vikings unless something really disastrous happens which it is the Vikings still. But as you're projecting it as Daniel Hunter, you're like, this is, this is a great situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Your your defensive line coach is one of the most revered people in the NFL at his, at his craft. And you probably look at it as, why would I risk playing 16 more games where I could go Teddy Bridgewater and just have my knee collapse into a gazillion pieces? And if you're a third-round pick, like, Take the money now because I'm not earning anything. It's not like those first-round pick guys who could wait, who get a fifth-year option, who get a big contract as a first-round pick. It's like Daniel Hunter's not making anything right now. So someone puts $48 million over the next three years in front of your face with a great team? Like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. From the outside, it's very easy to sit there and go, oh, yeah, why didn't he just wait? And then he could have got $18 million instead of $14 million. And then you remember how much $14 million actually is. <laughs> So, that, I mean, I think that's what he was thinking. That's fair. No, and you wouldn't bet on yourself either? You would just say, take the 14, we're good to go? Yeah, no, I would. I mean, I, I would just take the money probably if I was him. Xavier Rhodes did the same thing. And if you think about what Xavier Rhodes would have gotten this year if he hit free agency, it would have been Oof. bananas. But from in insuring yourself to be all set for the rest of your life money-wise— you can let whatever Jamoke on Twitter wants to debate about, oh, I could have got 18. Like, screw you. I have a helicopter. I don't care what you think. <laughs> right? Like, 
I, you know what? Because you said that, I'm going to buy another helicopter yeah. with all the money I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I think that's how I'd feel. Well, then you got the other guys you were talking about, that being Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr. They would be the next two in line for a contract extension. So Barr, a first-round pick, number nine overall. Great, then not so great, then not pretty decent year last year. Stefan Diggs, fifth-round pick, 146 overall, and we all know what he's done the last couple years for the Vikings. My question is not who would you place as the highest importance to re-sign or get an extension, as you guys discussed, but simply who is the more replaceable if you cannot sign them based on their position, obviously what they've done so far in their careers? I think it's Anthony Barr, hands down, is more replaceable. Um, Now, there is an opportunity, though, to use him a little differently this year and use him to rush the passer from the edge as part of a rotation. And if he were to get seven sacks filling in at times for Everson Griffin or Daniil Hunter to give them a rest, then also play his linebacker position for most of the time, he becomes less replaceable because there aren't that many guys who could do that. But if he's just going to be the same linebacker he is, there are other linebackers out there who could do the same thing. And with everyone passing all the time now, the Kendricks is is great for that because he's so good in coverage. Barr's just, you know, just pretty good at it. And having him is great, but if you don't, I still think you're the best defense in the NFL last year. With Stephon Diggs, I think if Case Keenum comes in and he does not have Stephon Diggs and Thielen is the only receiver out there, we saw this against Baltimore, what other teams did when, when Diggs was out. I think you're in big trouble. I don't think you go 13-3 and without Stephon Diggs, and I think he's one of the best 15 receivers in the entire league. The only concern is that is the health, but in, in terms of how hard that is to replace, a middle-of-the-pack or maybe upper-half linebacker versus a top-15 receiver – yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's even close. I think Diggs should be their number one priority, and then if they happen to get Barr done as well for a fairly good deal, then okay. But you have to keep Stephon Diggs. All right, let's do one more question before we get to, uh, back to Courtney at the TCO Performance Center. I almost said Winter Park. Can't do that. I saw in USA Today this morning as I woke up. Somebody linked to it on social media. The biggest news of the week, of the month, of the year. Planters is bringing back cheese balls. Oh. Planters cheese balls were a fixture of my childhood. The big blue can, you go to the beach, you got your high C, and you got your can of cheese balls, and you have the best day ever. And they're bringing them back for a limited time starting, I believe, coming up in July. So just a few days away. Great demand, and who knows? Maybe hmm. you get maybe after you know a month, you say, "Hey, we'll just keep them around." What the heck? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't make the rules over at the Planters Corporation. But my question to you is: that is one of a few food items that I am thrilled to come back. Haven't eaten in a while now. Whether the food item is gone forever, or you just don't buy it anymore, what is the one or two food items, or maybe a drink uh, that you enjoyed thoroughly as a kid that you would give anything to have right now again? Um, most snacks, like little snack things that you would take to school, like, uh, the knockoff ho-hos, the knockoff, uh, ding-dongs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I ate a lot of those. Also, if somebody had Dunkaroos and you were oh, allowed, uh, you know, they gave you a Dunkaroo cause we didn't get it very often. They're expensive, mm-hmm. but if you got one or if somebody had one and shared, you're in great shape, and no. I I don't know if they're still around. I haven't had them in a long time. They were the kangaroo-shaped 
cookie cracker thing yes. that you dipped in like the chocolate or yes. vanilla frosting. Very good for Oh, you. those were incredible. I didn't get those much either. Yep, yep. Those were good. Uh, you know what? I was looking for Rice Krispie Treat cereal not too long ago and couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden it showed up. And I don't know if it had been gone for a while or I just hadn't been looking for it, but I bought a couple of boxes of Rice Krispie Treats here. Is that any good? Well, it must be. Oh, if you're, yeah. I've never had the Rice Krispie oh, Treats yeah. cereal. Yes. It's just, I mean, it's just not, like, how is this legal to sell to children? Because it's like cocaine. But, um, yeah, it's really good. See, I wasn't allowed the sugar cereals during the school year. In the summer, I could go nuts. Really? And I always went Cocoa Puffs. That was number one, because just give me the chocolate. I always okay, wondered about sure. Cookie Crisp. I don't think I've ever had Cookie Crisp, but it is it's literally good. just cookies, right? Yeah, it's just... It, yeah. Did you just pour yourself a bowl of cookies? Yes, you did, and it was delicious. Um, what I like about the Cocoa Crisp is that you get to the end, and it's like it's chocolate milk. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's like a double whammy. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah, uh, I don't go I don't go cereal milk otherwise. But I, if it's chocolate milk, yeah, I'll drink I that. I think it's really interesting that you were not allowed to eat them during the school year. M m like the sugar crash, that's what your parents were afraid of? I, yeah, I assume so. They didn't want me to get all hopped up on sugar and right. 10, 10 a.m., 10.30 rolls around and I'm dead. I don't know. So I eat cereal all the time, but never for breakfast. It's Really? It's only as a snack. Okay. Like, so I can buy, I buy all the crappy cereals that are just pure sugar and all that, but it's only like, oh, we're going to watch a season of The Office here at nine o'clock at night. So let me get a bowl of cereal. That's what, that's how I can. I would cereal. never do that. See, I'm a cereal for breakfast once in a while guy, but maybe uh, whatever my parents did to me rubbed off because I'm pretty much Cheerios only. Honey Nut, Honey I'm going to get though. crazy, but no, straight up regular Cheerios. Ugh. Oh, they're delicious. They're delicious. They're delightful. My wife likes really bland cereals, too, and I just don't get it. If you gave me a bowl of regular Cheerios, I what I would do is I would splash milk all over so the sugar that I poured on it would stick to them. <laughs> That's how I would do it. So, That's fair. Uh, we'll find out from Courtney what type of cereals Daniil Hunter will be investing in with all of his money when we come back. Daniil Hunter, a five-year contract extension, what it might mean for... Uh, Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr, Rick Spielman talked about that, so we'll find that out from uh, Courtney Cronin. When we come back, Matthew Collar in for Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The decline of moral and ethical integrity. Let's hear it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ever dream of playing at U.S. Bank Stadium? Now is your chance. Sign on your team up right now to participate in United Health Group's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament. Coming up Saturday, September 8th, flag football teams will take over U.S. Bank Stadium for this one-day six-on-six tournament, all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Team spots are limited, so get yourself signed up now. Details, 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. All right, back here at 1500 ESPN, Matthew Collar in for Phil Mackey and Judd Zolga. Daniil Hunter signing a five-year contract extension. Courtney Cronin of ESPN out at TCO Performance Center. Courtney, how are things? Things are great. Uh, how, how's the show been without me for the last 45 minutes? Uh, we found out that Dan Hayes of The Athletic has Allen Iverson as his birthday bro, and I've been oh, raging with jealousy ever since. So that's, that's how it's going. I, I, I wish... Coolio doesn't even like begin to scratch the surface oh, that's right. of having Coolio. We, we were trying to remember who yours were, Coolio. Coolio that's and right. Madison Bumgarner and Austin Rivers. Okay, the the athletes are pretty boring, but Coolio's not bad. Um, no. if 
it's my hope to one day get parodied by Weird Ale. So um, <laughs> Coolio achieved that. Uh, when it comes to Daniil Hunter, what is the scuttlebutt about why he was able to get this deal done so quickly? Well, I think it's honestly what we talked about earlier, the value that this franchise and this ownership puts on its pass rushers. Just got off a phone call uh, with Mike Zimmer. He's probably down at the ranch right now. Uh, just talking about kind of why and what, uh, the why and the what of this whole thing. And you think back to where they had Daniil Hunter 2015 when he was drafted. He had, didn't really have a lot of sack numbers coming out of LSU, was very much considered a raw prospect. And in this time, he has become the model for the type of players that they want to get later in the draft. And I think that there's you know, reason to reward that. Um, Zimmer told a really interesting story that uh, kind of speaks to just the development. Because I asked him, I was like, you get Daniel in, he's kind of raw. And then he explodes in that second year and had a really good first three years. Uh, were you surprised by it? And I guess one day during that, uh, Greg Ellis, who had played for him at one point, uh, down uh, down to you know training camp and said you know well what do you think about some of these young guys um, and you know just you know what do you, what they're stealing and all that and the guy he uh, Ellis had compared Hunter to was Demarcus Ware and he's like no way like you know that's you know somebody obviously he played with somebody Zimmer knows quite well but that's who he was projecting him projecting him as you know from an early standpoint so I mean to me that's that, that speaks volumes of the type of player that they have. And the fact of the matter is, this is a five-year contract. He's going to be 28, like in the, you know, really in the beginning of his true prime. He's, he's still, you know, so young in this. And he, we don't know where his ceiling is because he's barely even scratching the surface right now. ESPN's Courtney Cronin out of TCO Performance Center talking about uh, Daniil Hunter's five-year contract extension. And I think we're all just on board with Hunter getting extended. I was a little surprised it came this fast. I thought there might be more negotiating throughout. And I I had a back and forth with with somebody just about whether this is a good or or bad deal and all the things that comes along with it. Dave and I were talking about it here. Just, you know, from Hunter's standpoint, he could have earned a lot more money if he had hit the free agent market, but decides to stay now, why do you think that he decided to do this deal already? Well, very much so. He's like, I want to get this done. He's like, he did it. He knew the conversations were happening in the beginning of the spring off season. He said, I want this over with. He didn't want this hanging over his head going into this season. Um, and, and yeah, he very easily could have been. You know, the Vikings are not going to want to let him go, regardless of whether it was now or later. Using you know the extension money they had for an extension or the franchise tag, which would have been about eighteen million next year, he was still going to get paid either way. Um, for him, I think he he likes the unit that he's been part of. He likes the coaching staff that has taken him from a very raw prospect who left college a year early to where he's at right now. You know, on the cusp of probably a Pro Bowl at some point soon and really becoming one of the premier younger edge rushers in, in the league. So I think for, for guys like this, and we saw it last year when they, you know, awarding guys contracts and big deals and lucrative, you know, a lot of money a year ahead of time, um, I think is really speaks volumes to how this organization treats its players and wants to, you know, really stay in the good graces of guys where, it's like, okay, we're going to reward you, and that's an incentive for guys to, A, stay motivated, and B, um, you know, continue to try to get that next big deal. Because, gosh, you take a look at where Daniil's at right now. He's going to be 28 when this is over. 
um, at least his first deal, there's more extensions and, you know, more contracts, whether it's with the Vikings or elsewhere in his future. And I, I think it has to matter to these guys. Uh, just the stability that they have, the coach they have, they know who it's going to be, the defensive line coach they know who it's going to be, the TCO performance center that they just built has to all factor into these things, I would think. So how much does everything that plays into it for these other guys to sign deals like Kendricks and like Hunter, how much will that help them in getting deals done for Anthony Barr and Stephon Diggs, do you think? This is the first time I have heard Rick Spielman say we're going to try to keep everybody. Um, I remember sitting down with him right after free agency and and trying to get that exact, trying to get him to say something along those lines, um, and he really wouldn't bite on it at that point. There's, there's, they've been in talks with both of their agents. They want to keep this team together. Um, that's the first time I've been heard of say, well, you know, sometimes it's the business of the thing. They're actively seeking to do that, and they're going to have to get creative um, in order to do so. I was thinking about it on the way over uh, after our conversation this morning of, you know, does it have to be one or the other? The financials right now, the 2018 cap space would dictate that, but there's a potential that you could franchise tag one of them, whether it's Diggs or Barr next year, and maybe even, you know, that way be able to keep guys together for another year beyond that. So, I mean, beyond this season. So I think that there's there's reason to believe they can get it all done, but it certainly can't be all within this cap structure of 2018. Courtney Cronin from ESPN from TCO Performance Center. Matthew Collar, 1500 ESPN, a five-year deal, $72 million for Daniil Hunter. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about this deal and how much he, he could have got on the open market. And, it, and it, it fascinates me that the Vikings have avoided these things recently. I mean, this isn't something new where it's like, oh, wow, someone signed a pretty cheap deal. You go back to Xavier Rhodes from last year, and then Everson Griffin signs a deal, Linval Joseph. It's very unique when you look around the league that they have all their players signing deals. They have all their players um, coming to the OTAs and the mini camps where a lot of other teams don't. And I think when we were talking earlier about where Mike Zimmer ranks as far as the coaches in the league, little things like that, I would factor in to what Mike Zimmer has meant to this organization overall. Yeah, I mean, there's this stability. This team is in this off season is kind of you know for as much for as many moves as they made during the off season and arguably the biggest free, uh, free agent signing, Kirk Cousins, it's been very quiet uh, in the Twin Cities, and that's something they have not they haven't had a drama free off season in so long. I mean, take it from the quarterback situation to Adrian Peterson a few years ago, um, and some of the off the field stuff in years before that. This is the thing. This is a place where people want to be around each other. I remember Kirk Cousins talked about it. Uh, he, you know, congratulated Eric Kendricks shortly after that deal was signed, being like, "No, I'm glad you're here." And he's like, "Hey, man, like, I just want to continue. I want to win. I want to be here. I want to be on a championship caliber team." And the moves that they've made to bring guys in and keep guys and retain the talent that they have reflects that they've got the backing of this coaching staff and of this, you know, front office and ownership to continue pursuing that goal. And that's why I think you've got a really cohesive unit that is firing on all cylinders right now because everybody's on the same page, which, as you know, in, the, in any professional sport, you don't often have that. So, Courtney, are we getting these uh, 
deals for Barr and Diggs, are we getting them at training camp, you think? Or, you know, like, can I fit in another week of vacation sometime? Or I would really hope that it would not happen. <laughs> I mean, let's just give us till 4th of July. Like, can we have to 4th of July? Sure. Because, what, Ravens report to camp, like, tomorrow or something? Or the 11th of July? So that's really when the NFL season's going to, you know, stunk for, the, for uh, you know, coming back with 2018 in the preseason. But I would anticipate they're not done. Uh, certainly not done before training camp. I think that we'll get one more in before training camp, and then, you know, very easily could see a franchise tag here you next March. Courtney, thanks for uh, uh, jumping on here. And also, I expect you to find out who everyone's birthday bro is out at TCO Performance Center. You know, I, I should ask Daniel that on his way out. Hey, Daniel, yes, you what were you thinking? Houston, who, was your, her, who was your birthday bro? And I saw... Um, <sighs> K. Ron Curse and uh, Lindell Joseph in the parking lot, and I failed to do my job and ask them who their birthdays wow. were. Well, tomorrow's another day. So, you know, I mean, I guess you do okay for ESPN, but I guess what we learned is in a clutch situation, you're just not going to come through. That's what we need for you. See, I would not get the contract extension here because they'd be like, well, you dropped the ball. <laughs> no contract extension for you. You're going to play out uh, your player option. Well, your team, they'll have my team option. Then. Perfect for Minnesota because you came up short in a big moment. Do, 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 do. Okay, all right. Well, thank you, Courtney. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, appreciate it. <laughs> Courtney Crony, ESPN. Make sure you follow her. Uh, somebody sent me an, a tweet earlier about the Wolves and LeBron to L.A. that um, sort of sparked a thought that might not might not be a pleasant one, but, I, but I'm really curious about it. Plus, uh, I want to ask Dave. We had a good conversation about um, young people and football, but it – you know, the concussion issue goes beyond football. And uh, so I want to talk with Dave about that, too. When we come back, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. You got to act excited. You got a gift. You got to act excited. But some of you are going, what do I know? On 1500 ESPN. All right, a few minutes left here on Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar here in the TCL broadcast studios. Had a uh, fun time hosting the show today. Happy birthday to Bobby Wagner and me. Um, so somebody sent me a, a Matt on Twitter, sent me an, an interesting tweet. We were talking about Brian Windhorst, who uh, said on the Zach Lowe podcast, he thinks 51% LeBron ends up in L.A. And Dave, you mentioned to me that a friend of LeBron's was tweeting at Kyle Kuzma, who had a great year last year, young guy. Yes, at Cuffs the Legend on Twitter, if you'd like to give him a follow. Uh, he was tweeting all night last night, I guess. He did send one to at Kyle Kuzma with the trophy emoji, trophy time. Also said that will be the highest selling NBA jersey of all time with the King's crown emoji. Staying up late for West Coast NBA games is going to take some time to adapt to. My body's on East Coast time. So what you mean is former friend of LeBron. Well, I guess <laughs> this guy also predicted predicted or dropped mm. that he was going back to Cleveland from Miami. So I guess he knows something. Interesting. Or he's well, a good guesser. I think he's going to get cut out of the circle of trusts, maybe. Um, but if LeBron goes to L.A., it just made me think, man, as a Wolves fan, you have to feel kicked right in the gut. Yeah. Like, okay. If it wasn't hard enough already. And and the Wolves' regret question is, as much as Jimmy Butler is fantastic, and I love watching him play basketball, he became last year one of my favorite players I've ever watched because every possession is a big deal to Jimmy Butler. It's the Brooklyn Nets coming to town in late January. We like this is the perfect time to take a night off and he doesn't. 
and he doesn't take a possession off, and he pushes everybody to be better, and he doesn't like Andrew Wiggins, so him and I are on the same page. It's like, <laughs> it's like I I love watching Jimmy Butler play, and I love his story and how he's just you know driven from where he came from, and all those things are great. Long term, they might regret trading for Jimmy Butler as as an organization. Do you think his teammates like playing with him? Um, Obviously, some would. Kobe would. Soft. I don't think Wiggins does. No, but that's their fault. Like, isn't it? I mean, if well, it probably is. But if you don't like playing with Jimmy, that's on you. Yeah, because that means he's pushing you hard because you're not trying hard. And I'm not saying that they should should or should not like Jimmy. I'm saying that's the team you have. Those are the stars you have, and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So maybe it was a mistake bringing him in just because the chemistry is not there and you realize he's going to rub them the wrong way. But he's your guy. So I, I I agree with you. I like watching him play. I like that he takes every possession seriously like it's the end of the world if we don't get a bucket right now. The reason you would regret it is just because if LeBron's in L.A., you have no shot. You just yeah. you know, Your chance is 0%. You are not beating the Warriors, Houston, and L.A. One of those three teams are going to beat you because they're all just way better. Even if you're, even if everything goes right, even if you find a free agent who's good, or even if these draft picks are good, even if Jimmy stays healthy the whole year, like you're just not beating LeBron in L.A. It's not going to happen. You're not beating the Warriors again. It, it, without LeBron in L.A., you could almost talk yourself into like, eh, what if the Warriors get old? Or hey, what if Chris Paul's hammies pull up lame again? And maybe you've got a shot. But to, you have to beat all three of them, or at least two out of the three. Like it's just not gonna, that's not gonna happen. So would you have rather then gone on to say, well, maybe we should just rebuild it slowly and hope you catch the where you really get hot is the time that LeBron is getting to the end of the rope, or that you know some of the Warriors are starting to break up and move on, and their era is over. That eventually it happens to everybody. Even as great as Chicago was or the Lakers, eventually they always get to the end, and that's where you want to be coming up. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen now with this team. And it's sort of like, well, on a nightly basis, if you go to a Wolves game or you turn on a Wolves game, you're going to get good basketball. And they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. But in the big picture, the championship, you just might end up thinking, well, we maybe would have had a better chance to just stick with the route that you were going and then hope that you build up a team good enough. So someone else's free agent eventually wants to sign with you. Mm -hmm. That's what your hope would have been. Um, So there's that. The other thing that I wanted to finish with was just, we were talking, we had a good conversation about kids and and playing sports and playing football with the Tyler Holinsky story. He committed suicide at 21. There was signs of CTE in his brain already, which is really disturbing. Uh, You have a daughter concussions in Soccer, girls' hockey, even basketball, they're as prevalent as they are in football oh, with, yeah. with uh, young kids. So how do you as a new parent approach that? Don't have to approach it quite yet, thankfully. She's only hitting 18 months. But, I mean, the conversation started before kids were even in the picture. Uh, my wife is a physical therapist and works with brain injuries on a daily basis, so she sees it. Uh, as far as you know, strokes and you know, traumatic brain injuries from car accidents or whatever it is, uh, and you know, she put the foot down long ago that there will be no football, hockey, you know, blah blah blah, you know, no hard physical, you know, collision sports as you'd call it. If it was a boy, now that we have a girl, you know, I brought up the fact even just after she was born. Well, if, what, what would you say if she wants to play hockey? Obviously, it's still certainly plenty of contact in girls' hockey. There's yeah. no 
checking allowed, but they hit we obviously know they hit each other, and there's plenty of pushing and shoving and and bodies uh, into bodies. And you know, she immediately said, "Absolutely not, that won't happen." And I'm okay with it. I, I'm I'm just fine. I mean, at a you know at, at a certain age, if if she wanted to try it, I think I would be okay. But there's no reason to get your head scrambled when you're six, seven, eight, you know, nine, ten years old. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for that. I th- I think it's um, a conversation that almost all young parents are having. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we really want to approach this? And you don't want to keep your kids away from sports. No, you don't want to say because they're great for them. Like not only the physical part, but also learning to be a teammate and all those things. There's so much positive that goes along with it. I think you probably just have to try to balance of like if something happens, like with Courtney, where she had a couple concussions playing soccer, and her parents said, "I'm sorry, you just can't play soccer anymore." That's a that's a tough conversation, right? It's just it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like you keep having concussions, and that can happen. But at the same time, you're like, even one concussion is not good for you. No, you know that can have long term impact. So there's a a very reasonable concern there. Almost no matter what sport, I mean, even if it's cheerleading, there's tons of injuries in cheerleading too. No, oh, and as as we all know, it goes beyond just concussions. It's the, the sub concussive impacts, as right. I say. It's it's being yeah. an offensive lineman and getting you know slapped in the head every play. It's being a soccer player and you know you're heading the ball. You're not getting a concussion, but it still creates pressure on your brain. Or if you're Gus Farratt, you run your head into a wall and you like do get purpose. a concussion. Though. And then you do. Yeah, there's that. Thank you, Dave, for all of your help. Thank you, Max, the intern, and Courtney from checking in. Dan Hayes from The Athletic as well. Jason Wildey and his wonderful golden doodle. So uh, I'll catch you later when I'm on tomorrow. Am I on tomorrow? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, all right. I'll be on tomorrow with uh, Mackie Judd. See you guys later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Colaguard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.